This is a podcast from the Business Times. Welcome to Money Hacks, hosted by Howie Lim. In this episode, find out how rewarding investing in a recession or uncertain economic times can be. This episode is brought to you by UOB. Even though whether or not we'll see a recession is still unclear, but looking likelier by the day, let's not wait for confirmation, shall we? Is investing during a recession a good idea? Can it be rewarding? How do we fight natural instincts to become more conservative because the best investments may not be what we expect? Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money-managing and wealth-growing journey. I'm Howie Lim. For more insights, we're joined by Francis Tan, investment strategist at UOB Private Bank's Chief Investment Office. Francis, always a pleasure. Hello, hi. Let's talk about market developments first off that investors should watch out for, Francis. What do you reckon? For most part of the year, I think that the majority of the global markets has been supported by a quite favourable macroeconomic environment. The better than expected economic growth and we are seeing resilient consumer activities and even quite a steadily declining inflation, I think all are good. However, we need to take note that this is not continuing forever. We're at the part of the business cycle where things are starting to change for the worse, in fact. Although recently the OECD just upgraded global world forecast, but there are some signs that I'm seeing that will depict a slower economic outlook. And one of it, which is the more recently released Global PMI, Purchasing Managers Index. And by that, both the services and the manufacturing indices are on their way down. In fact, in contraction mode for many of the developed markets. Emerging markets are still doing a little bit better. The second thing that I am quite concerned and I think investors should watch out for will be costs. Today, if you are a consumer, you are a corporate, all areas of course are much higher than any time in the last one or two years. For instance, capital costs, interest rates are much higher right now. Labor costs are pretty high as well because the labor market is tight in many of the economies. And the third thing actually is energy costs. They are on their way up. So other than that, I'm also seeing that the demand side of things are weakening very quickly as well. I mean, even in the US, consumers have been spending the stimulus checks over the last one and a half years. And right now, we are even seeing signs of consumers' fatigue or signs that their income is not able to chase their expenditure. So consumers right now, in terms of the strength, is quite weak because at the end of the day, the US GDP, quite a big part, 70%, is really due to consumption. So not just consumers, corporates are also not doing fantastically well. So all in all, we are transitioning into a much slower economic environment for sure and the dreadful R word is on everyone's minds or everyone's speech. They are talking about a recession and that is being accentuated by Fed power saying that, oh, we are going to keep interest costs at a higher for longer. So all these will mean that the economy is moving into a much slower phase. I don't hear any good news there, Francis. <laughs> so we're approaching investing in what kind of way? in this kind of uncertain environment? Because some also say you can use volatility as a hedge against inflation, as interest rates and inflation move towards parity, but might not happen, right? <laughs> you just said the Fed 
might up inflation yes, yeah, or interest yeah. rates again. That's right, that's right. But I will think that the Fed maintaining their stance of forward-guiding markets, that rates may stay higher for longer. I think that is a good sign that inflation will eventually come down. Now, back to the last decade of around 1%, I don't think so. Inflation right now, though cyclically can fall, but because of um, geopolitics, because of deglobalization, because of trade fragmentation, I don't think inflation on average, can get back to what we saw in the last decade. It will so where's it going to stay? Four, well, five, probably six. it's going to come up to uh, well to the nice central bankers target of two percent to even three oh, percent. Okay. So do note that a higher level of inflation to the three percent will also mean that interest rates will not get back to the zero that we have been seeing over the last decade. Mm. Now, so it's understandable that I think investors are so much tempted to take higher risk because they think that oh, interest costs are high. Let me look at higher yielding uh, instruments. I hesitate to do so because uh, it's not really advisable. At the end of the day, investors need to understand their risk appetite and goals in terms of their investments. And if you are thinking that just to chase higher returns, I don't think so because at the end of the day, higher returns encompass higher risk as well. Who are these people you're talking about, Francis? I mean, some investors are like, oh my goodness, I'm going to take my money out of everything, (laughs) put it into a Milo can and stick it under my mattress. Well, um, let me remind you, it's always important to know your risk appetite and you shouldn't just dive into investment without understanding what your risk appetite is or even your investment goals. Uh, that really means that you're not having a clear investment strategy. Now, over here in UOB, we recognize the importance of striking a very nice balance between risk and return. So the risk-first approach that we have helps investors to understand their risk tolerance and also the foundation of their wealth journey. So it will empower them to steer clear from uh, all the undue risk as they work towards their financial goals. For some, it will be retirement goals. So in practice, this starts with uh, protecting the wealth that you have worked so hard to build up and then ensuring that you have adequate cash buffer. Many financial advisors talk about having a six months cash buffer. And then the next step will be to ring fans and ensure that you have adequate insurance coverage and the other exposure to other low-risk assets. So having the financial security now, because you have ring fans so many, will eventually give you a peace of mind that you can slowly build and enhance your wealth through exposure to other higher-risk, higher-return type of asset classes. Investors, at the end of the day, can build a wealth portfolio according to their risk tolerance to what we call a call and tactical allocation. The core allocation will be those that you ring fans. They tend to be lower risk and helps investors to work towards their long-term goals. They're also designed to endure a lot of these market fluctuations or the uncertainty that you talk about. More importantly, the core will help to provide a consistent income. Then after building that, the investors can now seek a higher risk items or asset allocation and they can consider tactical allocations and these are usually geared towards capturing specific short-term opportunities or broader market themes such as AI or EVs or ESG and etc. What kinds of things would help though for say the risk averse or that fact we should be looking at risk more closely? What kinds of assets and products would help well, there are various types. At the end of the day, the types of investors that I talk to other than uh, the clients, a lot are my friends. Many investors are having this thing what we call home buyers, meaning that investors around the region, they naturally know and hear more about the equities or the stocks in their home market. And if you look at their portfolios, it can be as easy as 80 to 90% simply in equities and in their home base, names that they are familiar with. So that is uh, one of the 
No, no strategy. In fact, you are overly concentrated in the familiar popular names in your home market and you're not well diversified. At the end of the day, we need to look at diversification, not just across asset classes, be it fixed income, which lots of people are not really familiar with because they're only familiar with equities. So to equities, to alternative investments like hedge funds, to gold, to real estate, even cash. So investors need to know that having diversification doesn't entail just uh, asset classes, but also geographic diversification. Still to come, what's better, passively or actively managing one's investments on their own? Also, how does one decide which way to go? More with Francis Tan from UOB in a moment. And now back to Money Hacks, brought to you by UOB. We're speaking to Francis Tan, who's investment strategist at UOB Private Bank's Chief Investment Office. Is investing during a recession a worthwhile endeavor? It's sounding like maybe actively managing investments is a better way to go, right, Francis? Or is passively investing still up there? How, how does one decide, really? Fantastic question. I mean, uh, both passive and active investing strategies have their own merits. If you look at, on one hand, the passive investing is certainly a long-term strategy and that includes buying investments that mirror stock market indices or the very popular ETFs, right? And uh, holding them over a longer time and preferably, in fact, buying them regularly as well. So dollar cost averaging is important if you're into passive investing. Many people that I speak to think that, oh, passive investing means one lump sum and then that's it. No, don't. In fact, regularly get into the market, preferably at fixed periods of time, for instance, monthly, and going in with a fixed value. One good way, especially for employees like myself, is that whenever your salary comes in, devote a fixed percentage into passive investing. And that is one good way to uh, accumulate for your retirement in future. Let's talk about the other end. Active investing, they certainly require a lot more regular trades, reading about the markets. And at the end of the day, it really depends whether the investor is willing and able to do so. Sometimes you're willing, but you're unable. You just don't understand what P ratio or PB ratio is. Then don't bother. It's really you hard. You know, for right? some, it's no time. Exactly. Yeah. So no time, so they are not able to as well. Yeah. So the active investing, I will say that uh, is quite challenging, but it gives you a lot of satisfaction if you can keep getting things right, right? Uh, what about if you get it wrong? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Those are the school fees that you have to go to pay, oh, right? Oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been seeing people who are really into active investing. They spend a significant amount of time, skills, knowledge, reading, listening, watching mm. TV, just to make sure that they can capture market opportunities. And that doesn't mean just talking to your friends or hearing about the latest stock tips. More often than not, you could be too late. Mm. Yeah, And at the end of the day, investors do not really have the time to monitor the markets, nor the resources right now. If you are still thinking that you want to have active investing, please consult some of the financial advisors. They will help you in a more quantitative way to find out where your financial goals are. The financial advisor will be fantastic to guide investors towards a more suitable investment solution, particularly by knowing your customer, right? They yeah. need to know KYC. They need to know which part are you at your life cycle. So all these things will matter at the end of the day for uh, active investing. Sounds like a whole big homework that you have to do. So for those who are thinking that I don't really want passive, I really want it to be active, but I'm not really willing. I find it boring. I find that I may not be able to do so because I don't have time. Then there is another way we call it the discretionary. So that will be having a professionally managed portfolio at the discretion of the professional fund managers. Right. But that will fall into one of those seven sins of investing, which is paying high fees, right? 
There's also timing the market, chasing past performance, not investing regularly. You brought that one up, Francis. Have any of them, say, been able to redeem themselves these sins? For example, there's a camp which now feels you could be profitable by stock picking. That scares the risk averse, I have to be honest. <laughs> well, if you look at this year, 2023, uh, if you are into stock picking and have been following the news, we keep hearing about the AI, AI, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence stores, especially at the start of the year. It would have been quite profitable for you. But if you didn't exit yet or soon enough, I think we have been seeing the markets uh, selling them off, investors taking profit. This shows that it's really hard to replicate results consistently because the market is highly uncertain. By the time you hear about, oh, the AI stocks are all coming down, you may be a bit too late. Or some of the biasness of you holding on to losers could be there as well. The great fear comes into play as well. You may be thinking, oh, I spent quite a bit. I was actually in profit for 100%. Now it's down to 50. I don't think you'll be go lower, but it did. Most of the retail investors who timed the market, we found that they mostly do not outperform the broader market over a longer period of time consistently. Consistent is the keyword right here. And uh, over time, we are seeing that investors' portfolio allocation may also drift a portfolio rebalancing is also important for investors to do so. How often? Well, the usual financial planning looks at every six months or every one year. But when market is quite volatile, it's more important to do it more regularly. For instance, we rebalance a portfolio not when market is selling off. In fact, when market is doing well. So for instance, just now, if you have uh, some of the AI stocks and it represents 10% of your portfolio and 10% is the advice weightage in your portfolio, but because AI stocks are doing so fantastically well, your allocation because of price movements goes up to 20%, it's time for you to take profit and put it back down to Mm. 10%. What else do you think investors should remember as they navigate uncertainty? Well, um, Say it's one thing they must know. Well, actually, how we... Um, too always, many things. Yeah, yeah, too many things. <laughs> they are saying that, oh, market is uncertain. But guess what? Market is always uncertain every day. They are saying it's volatile. Market is volatile every day. In fact, if market is not volatile today, if you look at the VIX index, the Great Fear Index, right? Even if it's not volatile today, that is only explaining right now. Or in fact, yesterday, what about tomorrow? You will not know. It's with full uncertainty whether the VIX index can spike up tomorrow or not. So that's really tough. The only way I think the one most important thing is still the HO diversification. Mm. And that's really, really important. Not having all the eggs in one basket. So let's not do that. From experience, uh, some investors like to take charge or manage their portfolios well. Some simply don't like, are not able to do so. There's one thing that I mentioned just now, having it being uh, discretionary managed. And recently it has been having some traction. Investors who want to have a professionally managed but are tired or not willing to do so based on the advisory. And many times I do see this thing called implementation lag. By the time an advisor informs a professional, let's say, oh, we're at the tail end of an economic cycle. We think you need to increase your defensiveness in your portfolio. By the time, yeah, too late. In fact, some of the investors will be like, oh, I'm so busy right now. Two, three months later, then they decide, let me look at some of the bond names. That will be really too late. So it's with this that we see some traction in uh, professionally run funds that are discretionary managed. You can pass your assets or your, your monies to a professional manager and at their discretion, they look at the markets on your behalf. They are willing and they are able to do so. Now, let me give you an analogy about this. The traditional advisory process will be the investment advisor being the vehicle commander. Now, guys who went through NS knows about this. You have the map, you have the GPS, you describe how to get from point A to point B. Think of that as your financial goal. 
and the investor is the driver, hoping with the financial advice, move towards their retirement goals. However, you do need to have the ability and the willingness to drive the car. Sometimes when another car swerves, you need to know how to manipulate the car. So that is a good analogy to the traditional advisory model. In the discretionary model, it's right, right healing. You have both the driver and the vehicle commander and the navigator being someone whom you pass on the mandate to to drive the car at their discretion for you to reach from point A to point B. You just sit behind. So that is uh, one of the things that I believe is quite popular over in Europe that I think is coming quite uh, nicely into Asia. If they're F1 drivers, by all means, better than somebody who can't drive well, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And guess what? Going forward, we have autonomous driving vehicles, right? I wish we had more time to talk about this, Francis. Thank you so much for your insights today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. This has been Money Hacks, Business Times podcast. I'm Howie Lim. Till next time. This episode of Money Hacks was brought to you by UOB. This is a podcast by the Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.